When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello and welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Today we're going to talk about some etiquette classics like baby showers and invitations. We're also going to talk about some new etiquette territory. We're going to touch on Airbnb or home share etiquette. And we have a very, very special etiquette salute for you today. So stick around. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning, and we're from the Emily Post Institute. So, Dano, you've been back now for a few weeks. I've been very grateful to have you back in the office because my brain is about ready to be fried. How is it kind of like settling in? It is kind of nice to settle in. And it really is in some ways very (laughs) comforting to to be finding myself back in a life with some predictability. Maybe that makes me boring, but I I kind of enjoy it. I'm on the total opposite side of things where it's like I've I've not had a break since that great trip to Italy. So I'm sitting here going like, oh, my gosh, it's another Wednesday. I need some disruption (laughs) in my life. I need some disruption. I need it to be different. I'm very, very close. I'm, I'm tempted to look at our schedule and see if I can get away with taking off Thursday and Friday. <laughs> and, and I'm encouraging you to do so. All right. Well, and, I got a lot of work to do before then. But And I'm thinking a little bit about sometimes when I'm teaching, I talk with people about we, we all have natural cycles of exertion and recuperation. True. Times when we're comfortable putting ourselves out there and working hard. And then we, we also need periods of time where we withdraw and yeah. recover ourselves a little bit. And um, I think it's healthy to try to <laughs> interrupt and, and disrupt sometimes those natural cycles of exertion recuperation because it gets you used to working more, getting more out of yourself. But yeah. also it can be a good reminder to to also really emphasize that recovery to at take times that break. and to take some time to get back to yourself so you can be your best. Well, as long as I get my 18th edition notes written up and off to our editor in chief, I will I will be out the door. I, I'm feeling the weight of that deadline myself. I know, right? It's been kind of fun around the office as we've been doing our last last notes for the book. Dan and I have been in a slight competition who can send the most updates and, and you're rewrites. so far ahead of me right now. I know, I'm, I'm crushing so it and I just want to say, I'm This is the deadline for the first draft of the 19th edition, and it's definitely coming up fast. Yes. And it would be um, uh, inappropriate to talk about routines and not to acknowledge that here at Vermont Public Radio, we're back into our home studio. We're out of the whisper booth, which was our temporary location in another building while they did renovations here. Yeah, we're coming to you from a quote unquote real studio again. This is exciting. It is kind of exciting. Comfortable. And at the same time, it feels (laughs) new, even though it's back to the old and it made me think just this morning how quickly a new routine can be established. Well, before I go and make a new routine of vacation, mm-hmm. <laughs> let's get to some listener questions. Let's do it. 
it looks all right, but what am I supposed to do? That's the question. On each and every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or give us a call at 802-866-0860. Our first question today has to do with baby shower blues. This question begins, Greetings, Lizzie and Dan. Recently, I was invited to attend a baby shower for a second baby. I had never heard of a shower for a second baby. I understand that many feel that every baby should be celebrated. However, this event seemed to me nothing more than a gift grab. The mother-to-be is the daughter of a friend of mine. I have no relationship with the daughter. The shower had an invitation list of over 100 people. This time, 28 RSVP'd, and the other 70-plus received texts from the mom-to-be asking if they would be attending. The last shower had an invitation list of almost 150 people, with about 70 in attendance. The invitation told us that the couple had registered for gifts. The invitation also had a request for us to bring an unwrapped package of diapers as an additional gift, and that if we did so, we would be entered into a raffle for a door prize. A door prize. I was utterly appalled. In just over three years, I have given them a bridal shower gift, a wedding gift, a baby shower gift, a welcome baby gift, as well as a gift to the new grandmother, and now another shower gift. I celebrate the addition to their family and will be excited to someday meet their new daughter. However, this whole event has left me feeling very taken advantage of. This may seem churlish of me, but I have decided I will not be giving them a welcome baby gift, as I would have if there was not a shower. Very truly yours, bewildered gift giver. I totally agree with our listener. I think this was a total grab for gifts. I think this is ridiculous. It's a 150-person list. Listen, if you have that many friends, which kudos to you if you do. Bravo. Hold separate showers. Do your work group. Do your tennis group. Do your, you know, your your spa ladies or your church group or whatever it is. But separate them out and keep the list to about 30 people. Let me interrupt and ask the question I think I know the answer to. Why? Why? Because of a couple reasons. Number one, exactly what bewildered gift giver is experiencing. She's feeling taken advantage of at this point. This feels like she she doesn't even really know the celebrant, first of all. She knows the celebrant's mother. Automatically, she shouldn't be being invited for this reason. This mm. is silly. And I know a lot of people do the thing where your mom's generation of friends will get together, but those are people who know you. So if mom's generations of of friends wants to get together and give you a shower, that's totally okay. But make sure there are people that have a connection to you, the celebrant. Do not have it be someone who just knows mom. That's ridiculous. So the other thing is that showers are gift parties. You open gifts at a shower. To sit around and open 150 gifts is really taking up some time here. Like it's, And the thing is, is a lot of people will say, well, how about we just don't open the gifts at the shower? Absolutely not. A shower is specifically to shower the celebrant with gifts, the honoree with gifts. So it's important that you open gifts and you take time to appreciate the gifts you are being given to help you start this new life. I don't begrudge our honoree at all for holding a second 
shower for her second baby. It's totally appropriate. It really, truly is. Some kids come very far apart, and therefore new things are needed because items have been gotten rid of already. Other times, they're so close together that the baby is (laughs) still using all the baby stuff. You need a whole second set of baby stuff, you know, and it's a different list. But I can totally condone and appreciate and support second and third baby showers. What I don't support is the level of extravagance, the number of attendees. It's way over the top. The um, emphasis on the gift giving. It's it yeah. The emphasis registry on the, on the gi- invitation. Uh... Yeah, and registries on the invitation for this kind of thing can sometimes happen, but it's really not the way that this is supposed to go. It is a party focused on gifts. That is very true, but. You should be separating out all of these friends and not having 150 of them invited to event with 70 of them needing follow-ups to get RSVPs. But it just it's ridiculous. And just so you know, bewildered gift giver, you can completely not attend and not send a gift. It is not obligatory the way that it is with a wedding invite. When Dan and I talk about you don't want something to look like a grab for gifts, this is the exact situation we're talking about. This looks like a grab for gifts. Precisely because a shower is about showering someone with gifts, Yeah, you really want to approach the, the whole process of setting up a shower and how you invite people with some care so Delicately. that you don't leave this impression with someone, particularly if it's not the impression that you want to leave. Exactly. We're sorry we don't actually have more advice for you, bewildered gift giver, but we just, we agree completely. And we say, send a congratulations card and that's it. By doing that, you will have upheld any etiquette responsibility that you have in this situation. And then you can feel good about deciding for yourself whether or not you'd like to send that welcome baby gift that would be your natural inclination in a situation like this. Our next question has to do with the modern day Tupperware party. Hello, Lizzie and Daniel. This question is about how to respectfully and permanently decline to attend or purchase items from my friends and acquaintances who are starting their own businesses through multi-level marketing companies similar to Mary Kay. With the explosion of these types of businesses in the past few years, it seems that I am invited to something or asked to join a Facebook group at least once a week. I appreciate that people can find a certain sense of economic security through these businesses, but I don't have the time or money to purchase these items. In the past, I've either quietly removed myself from the group or let the Facebook event invitation languish, which I know is just as bad. But now they've moved on to private Facebook messages. Is there a respectful way to say, no, thank you, I'm not interested, and have it stick? What is the Facebook equivalent of a no soliciting sign? Kindly, Melissa. Awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, Mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. 
you'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories. Some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Oh, Melissa, I am a big fan of your question because I love the idea of a no soliciting sign for a Facebook Facebook page. I think that's a brilliant idea. They've recently expanded the options that you have to show your liking of something to include a range of responses that might have previously fallen under like. Um, I like you, but I don't want to participate in this. (laughs) Exactly. I think it would be um, just delicious to have an option to decommercialize Facebook. Um, So nice. And I say that fully appreciating that they're a company that needs a model that's revenue positive. And I don't begrudge anyone doing business in the same way. I feel in your question, you're not begrudging your friends doing business here. And I like the way that you identify these businesses as multi-level marketing companies and that you identify them as being similar to Mary Kay, because that's a, a company with a good reputation that many people can appreciate. Can appreciate. But they are businesses. And because these are businesses and these are business invitations, it's perfectly okay for you to continuously and persistently decline. (laughs) Just because there's social connections doesn't mean you have a social obligation to support it, right? Exactly. Okay. Precisely because these are decisions that have to do with money. You're not expected to explain yourself. A polite, no, thank you, I'm not interested or I'm not attending is a perfectly adequate or reasonable no. And you might have to deliver it a few times before someone gets the message that I think is going to feel a little awkward if you start to game it out. If you try to actually uh, turn around and say to someone actively, stop sending me these invitations, particularly the direct message invitations, I just don't. I don't hear that coming out of my mouth naturally. I don't feel a, a, a script coming to mind that I yeah. could offer you for doing that. But I, I don't think you need to make your nose complicated or difficult, just um, consistent. And mm-hmm. I think eventually people are going to get the message. I deal with these a lot. These are parties that, that women in my extended social group throw often. Like there's usually about one per month, especially in the summer, if not two per month. And it can feel overwhelming. I started just going to the party but not purchasing anything. And at times where I'm in a financial situation where I'm not in a place to be purchasing stuff, that's when I don't go to the party at all. Mm-hmm. But typically I'll go and I'll look and if there's something interesting, great. But if not, I've spent a nice evening with my friends supporting them doing what they do but not actually participating. If you don't actually like the party itself at all, though, use everything Dan has just said. Yeah. Ultimately, you're responsible for managing your finances, so you get to make the choices that make sense for you. And Lizzie and I could not be any more supportive of your right and privilege to decline. <laughs> so go forth and RSVP no. Our next question has to do with weight loss wanderers. Hey, Lizzie and Dan. 14 months ago, I made some very big lifestyle changes. Since then, I've undergone bariatric surgery and have lost 100 pounds. 45 of which I lost prior to surgery. Yay me. (laughs) Naturally, I've changed a lot physically since then, and I'm getting a lot of comments. 
The surgery, while it did help with losing a lot of the weight, is only a tool on my journey. I've only chosen to share that I had surgery with a few close loved ones. This is a very personal situation that some feel totally fine crossing boundaries for. Some of the comments I've gotten are, Wow, you've lost a lot of weight. How did you do it? Or, How much weight have you lost? I've been responding, I made a lifestyle change, and we'll leave it at that. But it's still awkward, and a lot of people will continue to press. How do I respond to people's comments, especially those that I don't feel comfortable relaying that I've had a surgery? Thanks. Suzanne from San Francisco. Suzanne, I think that your current response is spot on, and I want to give you the confidence to continue to use it. And it is spot on because of the first 45 pounds that you lost pre-surgery. I think that if people press you for details, I would focus on on sharing anything I'm comfortable with about those 45 since it's the surgery that you're telling us you don't want to share. It's okay to not talk about the surgery aspect of it and instead just talk about more exercise, more, you know, general moving around, better diet. You know, the things that everybody tells you are going to help you lose weight are what I've put into action. And it's really helped. Surgery is a really personal choice. Really personal. And I think that when we live in a society where a lot of cable networks have shows about surgery and you're supposed to be really open and claim what you've had done and and that's kind of the thing to do, I think we do need to leave a little bit of room for people to keep these kind of decisions private. How you choose to take care of your body is your business. When it comes to people who just ask too much or try to get too involved, you can always excuse yourself, but you can also just say, you know, it's not something I'm that comfortable talking about, but thanks for noticing that I'm succeeding at it. You know, to me, a compliment of, oh, you look like you've lost some weight. You know, my brain is just wired that that's a compliment and I want to talk about it and I'm, I'm really happy about it. But that's just not the case for everybody. For some people, it's, oh, my gosh, you're literally noticing my size going up and down. That's very personal. That's very confrontational. And that's not making me comfortable. And I think it's just important when every women's magazine out there talks about losing those five pounds or those 10 pounds, everything I feel like is focused on our size and shape. And I just don't think our society really understands how uncomfortable that can be for some people. So please, if someone ever says to you, you know, I don't really want to go into it, but thanks for noticing back off and let it be, you know, I just want to thank my cousin Lizzie for standing up for personal privacy and discretion. One of the lines when we first talked about this that you had come up with was, it's been a ton of work and commitment. And I think it's not it's not a bad idea to say something like that. Like, you know, thank you. It's been a lot of work and commitment. Or, you know, thanks. I, I really appreciate that. I have been working hard at it. But you don't have to go into detail if you don't want to. And I hear in your sample scripts, you, you're you willing to acknowledge and engage the question. You're not yeah. brushing someone off, but you're, you're keeping the focus in in areas and territory that you're comfortable and, frankly, that are appropriate for quick conversation. It is okay to set those boundaries and just keep after them. No, wasn't anything more. It was just that. Thank you. And, you know, later on you might feel comfortable sharing about the surgery. But for now, you get to keep that under wraps if you want to. And congratulations! I love life transformation stories. That's awesome. Our next question has to do with whether you tip or not for a gift that's been delivered to you. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. I recently received a flower delivery from a client. 
The delivery person originally went to the wrong address as the company that I work for moved about a year and a half ago. The delivery person called from the previous address and asked me where I was located. After I told him, he asked if I would like the delivery to be taken to my new location, and I told him it would be great, but only if the floral company was okay with that. Long story short, I mentioned the mix-up to my coworkers while trying to get change to be prepared for a tip. A debate started to tip or not to tip. So here's my question. When you receive a flower delivery or other gift, are you supposed to tip the delivery person? Or is it understood that as a gift, you should not tip? Also, one coworker said that the person sending the gift should allow for a tip, but I disagreed with that, thinking that, well, how can you tip for a service that has not yet been rendered? Am I wrong on that point? Also, do I correct the client who sent the flowers to the wrong address? Is that being a bit, um, I expect flowers next year, so get the address right-ish? <laughs> or is it just informative? Love you guys. Tipping Tia. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey, Tia, thank you for the question. I love tipping questions, <laughs> particularly ones that aren't the standard tipping questions. And this is not a standard tipping question. And I think that most really good tipping questions aren't standard because the really great tips happen in situations where it's not just expected and you don't know exactly <laughs> what, what to you're going to do. Gonna do. Um, and it's one of the things that can make a tip um, particularly nice when it's really a gratuity, when it's really about showing how thankful you are for someone going that extra mile and really doing something for you. So in some ways, I want to lay down the baseline here that there isn't an expectation of a tip in this situation. No, not for a gift. Definitely not for a gift. Not for a gift. And even depending on the delivery service, some delivery services are very professional and don't operate with an expectation of tipping. When FedEx or UPS shows up at the office and leaves a package, I'm not fishing around in my pocket to, mm -hmm. to tip that person. At the same time, a flower delivery, something that's delivered by somebody from a smaller company or a local flower shop, that person might really appreciate a tip. And, and a little bit depends on the nature of the delivery, how personal it is, to what effort they've gone. We get a question sometimes about when an appliance is delivered. That's a little different than a gift showing up. But in this situation where someone has tracked you down and found you with a package that was originally sent to the wrong address, I think giving them a little tip is a nice thought and might be really appreciated. See, I think it's a nice thought, but the general question of do you tip when someone sends you something like flowers or chocolates or something like that, no. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You uh, don't. If I'm this delivery person, I'm not expecting a tip. I'm not working for a tip in no, this situation. No, it's different from when you order takeout for yourself and that delivery. Even if they do a delivery charge, you often still leave a tip. It's not the same type of situation. And 
I love that they started to question, so wait, should the giver anticipate a tip on that end? And my answer would be yes. What would you say? Again, a little bit depending on the nature of the delivery. Yeah. How I'm, if I've ordered Amazon Prime oh, <laughs> and yeah, you're not it's being delivered that. to somebody, there's not even really a mechanism no. for doing that. But if I'm calling a local flower shop in someone's town and organizing a delivery, maybe it's a custom bouquet, maybe it's the one on the front of their website. Yeah, I think that's an appropriate time to say I'd love to include a little delivery fee here, a little delivery tip. That's awesome. Okay, the thing that I I am not convinced of, mm-hmm. the tricky part of this question for mm-hmm. me is not about whether to tip or not. Yes. Do you correct the address? Ooh, for me, this is about communication and business. Right. And if someone doesn't have your correct address, your correct contact information, I would want to get them that information in a way that communicates that's what I'm doing. Okay, it's so, not that I expect this flower bouquet to right. arrive every year, but it's want you to know that the flower showed up at my old office first. Right. Um, wanted to be sure you had my correct contact information. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take it to a different level, and I just thought of it as I as I toss this question to you. Okay. How about when you send your thank you note for the flowers, you include your new business card with your new address on it? Perfect. That way, you're not actually mentioning this got screwed up because you didn't know that we changed offices, Mm -hmm. but you are giving them that info and it's there. It's like sly, it's slick, and they'll have your business card right there to figure it out. Brilliant. And you're giving me an idea about the way to for if you had already sent that handwritten thank you note that I'm sure you already sent because you sent it so quickly. If I did follow up with an address correction, I'm going to amend my answer and say you don't necessarily need to reference that the flowers went to the wrong office. Right. You could just say we just wanted you to know that we've changed where we live and we, you know, it's taken us time to get all the info out. Something like that. Wanted to be sure you had our current contact I like the idea of leaving out the mistake and instead just making sure that the contact info is current. I dig it. So definitely help your past and hopefully someday future client out. Get them your correct contact information, your correct address. As far as the tip goes, no, there is no expectation of a tip on that delivery. But if you feel like someone really went that extra mile and you want to give them a tip, that's the, the heart of gratuity. Go ahead and express that gratitude. I almost guarantee they're not going to turn it down. And enjoy those flowers. Indeed. How fortunate you are to have such thoughtful clients. But there's more. What's that? More questions coming up. But first, a word from our sponsor. And we're back to answer more questions. This is Awesome Etiquette. Our next question has the great title, NBA... Question mark. Never mind. Exclamation point. Dear Lizzie and Dan... My fiancé and I were gifted NBA tickets over the holidays, and the game day was coming up. Unsure about the actual day, I asked my fiancé when it was, and he told me the game was on Thursday night. Unfortunately, I work Thursday nights, so it was agreed upon that he should invite someone else. The next morning, he invites a close mutual friend of ours to join him for the game. After he does so, however, he rechecks the tickets and realizes they are, in fact, for Friday night, making it a game I could attend. I immediately suggested he text our friend back and let her know about the mix-up, but he was adamantly against it. He insisted that he had already invited her, and instead he should correct himself with her and see if she could make Friday night's game. I'm completely flabbergasted by his logic. (laughs) And actually, I'm kind of hurt that he's so willing to put me second in this situation. Though when I expressed this, he denied the validity of these feelings. 
Who's right and who's rude? Sincerely, kicked to the curb. Oh, kick to the curb. I feel you. This is, fr- I'm not even sure Dan and I are going to agree on this. Okay. When I told my wife Pooja about this just this morning. Did you really? Oh, she was aggrieved. She had a very strong perspective. Okay, so <laughs> I'm going to give my thought. Then I want Dan to give his thoughts. And then we're going to talk about Pooja's thoughts. <laughs> I, my first inclination is to agree with kicked to the curb. First of all, these were a wedding gift. So I think that these aren't just a, oh, hey, boss has extra tickets and isn't going to use them Mm because he's headed to the Caribbean instead. It's, you know, sorry, I just made that (laughs) boss sound like such a jerk. Um, In this situation, these are special tickets in my mind. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that when they first thought they weren't going to be able to use them, that they decided to try to offer a friend to come and and lucky her. I think that's really great that she has such good friends Um, and that, that this couple feels comfortable doing things like that. I think it's cool. But when the mistake gets recognized, I think it's not that hard. And I could imagine I could imagine you saying this to me, mm-hmm. Liz. I just checked the tickets. It turns out they are actually for a night that Pooja is free. And I would love for the two of us to be able to use them since they were a wedding gift. I would love to make it up to you somehow. But I really think the appropriate thing to do is to take her. And I'm so sorry for the mix up. Mm-hmm. That's how I would handle it. How would you handle it? Well, for the record, you and Pooja are in complete agreement. Yes. Okay. So, uh, yeah, Pooj. Yes. And and I'm actually more in line with the agreement than I thought I would be when I first read the question. Because as I, of how I said it. Clearly. <laughs> the mistake here obviously was not checking the tickets initially. And I do think that the invitation being for the wrong night in some ways makes it a moot point, makes it void. <laughs> and, and I think I that, invited you to something that doesn't exist, so my invitation doesn't count. Well, exactly. It makes it, to me, <laughs> less like you're rescinding an invitation, because I, I feel where the fiancé is coming from. Totally. There, there is a very, very strong point of etiquette that says once you've extended an invitation, once you've invited someone to do something, you've made a commitment, and we even say if you've accepted an invitation, that right. you've made a commitment, and that you go, if a better offer comes along, you don't just jump ship and take the better offer that at the same time that event does not exist there is not a game on thursday night this offer is going to be rescinded and rather than extend a new offer for friday night i think that you can get away with an explanation like you just offered i think the point that it was a wedding gift for someone else is important but in some ways the bigger point is that it's really for a completely different night that you didn't even invite someone to, to the right night. There's no game that night to an actual event. In some ways, this is your back door around the etiquette of the, the invitation because you're not rescinding an invitation. You made a mistake and you're owning up to it. And then what you do from that point forward in some ways becomes a new question. So when it comes to who's right and who's rude, I think you're technically both a little bit right. And I think neither of you is going to wind up being rude in this situation. Win win. For our final question today, we need your help. This is the first installment of a new Awesome Etiquette feature where we're going to ask you to weigh in on a complicated etiquette issue. We got an email from Nancy who posed an interesting question. In fact, this is a question that I've thought quite a bit about as a regular coffee drinker. Nancy likes to host dinner parties. She makes them fancy, has nice dishes, stemware, flowers, and candles, and gets really irritated when people arrive with soda cans, styrofoam cups, or plastic bottles of water. Her husband doesn't think it's rude, but he gets annoyed by the number of people sipping lattes during church on Sunday morning. So 
Nancy and her husband are curious, and we would like to know from you. Just because a coffee container is to go, does that mean you can take it everywhere? What are the limits? And this is the part of the question that I've personally wrestled with. Okay. Um, as someone who's often carrying a, a, a coffee cup around, and I do have some thoughts about where I'm comfortable taking that cup and where I'm not. But like into my office and the, the row of them that now sit on my bookcase? I'm just going to leave it by saying maybe I'm a little too personally invested <laughs> to, to just offer my advice right out of the starting gate here. But I'm, I'm really curious what you are listeners think about this particular question. What do you do with a to-go coffee cup, a soda can, a water bottle as you navigate your day in and out of public and private spaces? I like it. So next week, we are going to feature your responses on the show to this question. You can leave us a message at 802-866-0860, or you can reach us via email at awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com, or post your answer to Facebook or Twitter. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we know you want it on the show. You mean that's all there is just what we've talked about? Oh, no. You can learn still more by watching Mother and Dad and other people who have good men. That's the end of our questions for this week. Thank you for submitting your questions, and please send us any updates or comments you have. Excited. We kind of have a new segment that you've probably seen us start to develop, and now we're, we're really going to launch it. We want to share all of your feedback and really highlight your comments and thoughts on various situations. So we have our producer, Hans, here, who's been looking over emails and messages. Uh, Hans, take us away. Hey, guys. So a few weeks ago, Lizzie, you had a story about you had some wine spilled on you by a server at a restaurant locally. Yes. And you wanted to know how much you thought should be comped by the server in such a situation. Is it a drink? Is it several drinks? Is it a whole dinner? So Alana over on Facebook, she said that you can always check in with a manager because she said sometimes servers might not have the authority to do much, but a manager might. Very true and a very good point, Alana. Connor was a manager at a small cocktail and tea lounge, and he said that several factors came into play for him when evaluating what to take on or off the bill. So it's timing. Accidents early in the evening would maybe just get the beverage taken off, but a regular would get a comp beverage and very probably beverages or appetizers for the next several visits, he says. So if, Lizzie, you had expressed concern about driving home smelling like booze, Connor also says he would have paid for the cab fare from his tips. Oh, my gosh. Ooh. That's a bit. Wow. That's that's above and beyond. And even to take that into consideration, I wouldn't have even cared if anybody paid for my cab fare. But for someone to take into consideration that I might smell like alcohol and that could be problematic, that's just that's to me brilliant. We also had an interesting response to a question from a few weeks ago of people saving street parking spaces that they have dug out from snowy weather. Ginger let us know that she lived in a Chicago neighborhood where this was really a common practice, but she did not agree with it. And she let us know that her landlord didn't either. So this is an ex-Marine guy who would, during snowy weather, walk up and down the street and collect all the chairs that the people would leave out in their spots. He would keep the chairs too, right? Like Cherry O'Terry in Saturday Night Live. This is mine now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. See this? It's mine now. Over on Facebook, Anne asked the question, do you get to hold the spot indefinitely? No. Do you get to hold it while getting the car that was parked elsewhere while you were digging? OMG, yes, all caps. 
I kind of like that. I kind of like that. That's that's an interesting take on the timing of it. Good point, Anna. Very practical point. So finally, Allison sent us an alternate solution. Uh, the question that we had about a mother who tends to re-gift all of these thoughtful presents bought for her by her children. So Allison says that uh, her mother started to do the same thing. So she changed her habits, and instead of buying something for her mother to keep, Allison now buys her mother something nice to give away again. So she says the real gift is not the gift itself, but the joy she gets in giving it away to someone else. I love that. That's an interesting twist psychologically on how to manage the situation. It's so sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Alana, Connor, Ginger, Anne, and Allison for your thoughts, and to everyone who took the time to share some feedback with us. It really does make our day to hear your responses. We find that getting along with people is pretty important. Do you think you can do that? Oh, yes, I think I can. So, Dan, as I am thinking about vacation and what it is that I might do with my time off, I'm also thinking about where I might stay. And we have recently had a number of just things in and around our lives that have brought up the topic of home shares and places, things like Airbnb as a service. And I thought it would be really great if we talked a little bit today about Airbnb etiquette. I think it's a great idea as thinking more broadly about this as new territory, as new frontier in etiquette and the etiquette world. Oftentimes these days, what I've noticed happening is that Airbnbs, there's a range of them. And some are very much like homestays and some are much closer to a hotel type stay. Sometimes you're sharing someone's home with them. Sometimes you're essentially renting an apartment that someone has purchased to make available through Airbnb. And it's really much more of a a, a private property rental business. I have actually only ever stayed in Airbnbs that were private property rental businesses. I've never stayed in one where the owner is very close by. Yes. And I think this is where I'd like to to enter the discussion of Airbnb etiquette, because I think that the first part of Airbnb etiquette is choosing a home and a home stay that's really appropriate for you. And for me, I'm not necessarily looking for that experience of sharing a home with somebody. So I need to read the profiles of the various options and pick one that gives me a little more autonomy, a little more space to operate in my own way. For other people, they really want the cost saving and the experience of sharing a home with someone. And that's the type of Airbnb experience they're looking for. So my first etiquette tip is to think about the type of travel or stay away from home experience that you want to have and to choose a place that's appropriate for you. The second part is about communication with your host because there isn't a standardized front desk that's job is to be available 24-7 to communicate with you, or at least that's often the case. I think it's important to set up standards for communication for yourself and for the person that you're going to be renting from or staying with that are reasonable and reasonable for everyone. So you want to uphold your part of the bargain and you want to communicate clearly and as quickly as possible. You also want to give that other person enough time to respond because this might not be the only thing that they're doing. So plan early, plan ahead, give yourself and give the person that you're going to be interacting with as much time as possible. Another courtesy that is really firm around the Airbnb experience is the courtesy of showing up and leaving on time and to let someone know if there are any changes in schedule, as will happen when you're traveling. We all know that 
when you're on the road, the out of the ordinary is almost to be expected. And you may be arriving somewhere a little early. You may be arriving somewhere a little late. That is understandable, but you want to let your host know as soon as you know of any change that you have in your plan for arrival or for departure. And you want to do your absolute best to stick to the agreed upon times. You know, one of the things, Dan, that comes up a lot with the leaving on time, and it's actually I think what we get the most questions about, is do you tip or do you not tip? Do you leave a gift? Do you replace the items that were there? And it's so hard because each home share is so different. And I think that's where it comes back to your first comment about looking at the guidelines and the expectations when you enter into this agreement. So you might see that there is already a fee for a cleaning service. So you don't worry about leaving a tip. It's not like a hotel where the the house cleaning staff is expecting to be tipped or they should be getting tipped. It is different. And a cleaning service, I know because I live with a woman who ran one for years, they don't expect tips. It is different because they build in what they should be receiving to their actual cleaning fee, whereas a housekeeper at a hotel or a motel doesn't have that option. And that's why you make sure to take care of him or her. So I think that when it comes to tipping, really pay close attention to the guidelines and the expectations and the services that you are paying for. If you did leave a mess or if you did say, hey, I'm really sorry, a cleaning crew is going to need to come in here because something happened, that's when you can adjust payment for such a thing. I would also say be aware of what you've used and the the expectations around replacing items. A lot of these places stock the fridge or um, they have specific instructions on how certain things need to be handled. I had a, a woman talking to me about leaving the dishes and that all the dishes were expected to be clean, dried and put back ready for the next person to use. I don't think you have to tip when you're doing that level of cleaning around the place. If it's a homestay situation where you really become maybe you stay at someone's house for a week and you're really in a room in their home and y'all have become close. I would probably want to be leaving some type of a hostess gift, you know, bread and butter note and a bread and butter gift. I think that that's a really kind thing to share that experience. So I tend to lean on the make sure you look at the guidelines and the expectations, leave a tip replace what you need if you feel that that's what's expected and necessary and leave a gift if you've had a really close you know encounter with this person a close encounter of the third kind a close experience with this person no, you're really doing that smart thing that we said right at the start which is look at the type of experience that you're having with Airbnb and adjust your guest and host responsibilities accordingly based on the type of experience that that you're either looking forward to or that you've just had So those are a few thoughts on ways that you might uh, approach the new etiquette for home shares, Airbnbs, or even vacation rentals. So happy vacationing. You see what I mean about putting your best foot forward? We like to close every show with an etiquette salute. Today we hear from Sarah. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Uh, My name is Sarah Rubens. I live outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, in a little town called Davidson, North Carolina. So I decided that I wanted to share with you a story about my sweet mother. Uh, Her name was Mary Louise Taylor, and last year she was having her 90th birthday. We wanted to do something to acknowledge the significance of it. So I thought, you know what, what's better than just having as many people as possible tell her how much they love her? And so I challenged anybody and everybody that I knew and some people I didn't even know 
to send my mother a birthday greeting. And the goal was for her to have 90 greetings for 90 years. And I managed to sneak her little phone book directory out of her room and took the opportunity to call as many old family friends and ask them would they join me in this celebration. And then I reached out to, obviously, my siblings and asked them to reach out to their network of friends. I reached out to as many people as I knew, both in my community, at my church, on Facebook. And um, sure enough, right about a week before her birthday, she calls me one day and says, this is the strangest thing. I'm getting birthday cards from people I don't even know. And each and every day for the next probably two weeks, the nurses at the nursing home would come into her room with literally a stack of cards. And my mother's eyesight was not great, and so people would come by and visit her, and we would read her these cards. And it was, oh, I get choked up even talking about it. It was such an amazing gift. I mean, it was like she was like a child again. She was so full of delight. The shout-out is to people who just took the time to sit down and write her a note. And sometimes it was people that she hadn't heard from in years. Others were friends of like mine that she didn't even know, but people took the time to tell them, you know, this is how I know your daughter, Sarah, and this is what Sarah means to me. And, you know, as a mother myself, what, what a wonderful gift to be told something great about your child. And in the end, she got over 125 birthday cards. And it was this huge stack sitting next to her bed. And for the remaining year, every day, she would take out a card and reread it, and then she would pray for the person who sent it to her. So that's my shout-out, Dan and Lizzie, is to all the people who took the time to love my mom. Wow, Sarah, I'm going to talk first because Lizzie is um, overcome by emotion right now. Um, That is such a sweet etiquette salute. And just like you want to salute all those people that helped you wish your mother such a special birthday, I I want to offer you a salute for being such an incredible daughter. That's really a remarkable, (laughs) remarkable story. No, that is the, the world certainly needs a lot more of that in it. And I'm just I'm very grateful to Sarah for for sharing that. That's the kind of thing that means the world to me to hear and it does it gives you it just gives you hope and appreciation that we're we're all in this trying to make a difference for each other um thank you sarah thank you so so much for sharing and thank you for listening and to everyone who sent us something this show could not happen without you please continue to send us your questions comments and salutes by phone you can reach us at 802-866-0860 by email we're awesome etiquette at emilypost.com on twitter i'm at daniel underscore post i am at lizzie a post you can find us on facebook we're both awesome etiquette and the emily post institute you can always help us out subscribe on itunes or your favorite podcast app and leave us a review Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner, and our show was produced by Hans Butel.